In ancient times, men would set aside personal comfort and strive to live a life dedicated to a higher cause. These Nazarites would resist sin, they would call others into a life of holiness, and they would let their beards grow long as they grew in virtue. In honor of these great men, each November I get together with a couple thousand men and spend a month focused on growing. Growing in community, growing in virtue, and growing out our beards. This year we launched a podcast for the Nazarite Challenge. This podcast, Bearded Virtues. My name's Tony Vicinda, and I'm excited to have myself and some of my favorite people share their reflections on Cardinal Virtues with you. This week we have my good friend, Michael Gormley, also known as Gomer by those who know him, love him, and follow his work online from the Catching Foxes podcast, Breaking Open the Virtue of Justice. This is day 28 of the Nazarite Challenge. Hey everyone, Mike Gormley, Gomer here, and I want to continue our understanding of justice as relational. Comes to us from Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas, not necessarily Plato, but we're going to get into that today because today is about the history of justice and how our modern justice is fundamentally broken. So where do we start? We actually start in the Old Testament with the Old Testament conception of justice. Justice is first and foremost a right relationship with God. Righteousness or justice means being in the right when it comes to our relationship with God, the source of all justice, okay? God's justice is covenantal. What does that mean? It's not merely a cold objective standard. It's not merely a law, but it's a vital relationship with God and neighbor, with one's fellow co-religionist, as the Jews would say. It is a family bond. That's what the whole point of covenant is. So covenant and love, it being a family bond, form one unique entity. They're two sides of the same coin. You have the righteousness of love being expressed through justice and love as the profound spontaneity and attraction to one another, right? That all comes from the great uh, Catholic theologian, Father Survey Pinkers. Now, he sees that justice and love or charity are not antithetical to each other, but rather they necessarily lead and support one another. Jesus takes the Sermon on the Mount and makes it even more radical. What does he do? He takes justice from the law of Moses and makes it an interior thing. He internalizes it and he intensifies it. So he says it's adulterous, which is unjust, right, to look at a woman with lust. Not just the external act, but the interior desires can become unjust, even if no one knows other than you that you're having these unjust desires. So Jesus doesn't want to just get to the fruit of the sin. He wants to get to the root of the sin. The Sermon on the Mount expands justice. Why? Because the heart desires to expand love itself, right? And if I love my neighbor, I'm going to first and foremost be just to my neighbor. St. Paul shows us that righteousness can equally be translated as covenant justice, especially in St. Paul's letter to the Romans. N.T. Wright, famous Anglican bishop, is arguing this point fundamentally, that what Paul is saying by righteousness, he means that Christ expanded through the cross the nature of the covenant to go from Israel to the whole world, to all the nations, and that it's not just a matter of circumcision in the flesh in order to belong to the club, but rather the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Justice takes a far deeper, livelier term. Now we turn to the Greeks. This is important. The Greek turn is important. And we look at Plato. Plato, especially in this book of the Republic, kind of 
fleshes this out. But Plato's view of justice was it's an interior harmony of a person's faculties. Okay, so your reason and will, your emotions, your irascible appetites, your inclinations, your memory, all of these things within you that we call faculties or powers, these things must be made in harmony. And that interior harmony is what we call justice. And when that interior harmony gets led onto the outside or expands beyond the soul of the person to the exterior, we call that a just society, which is kind of the point of Plato's Republic, which is why a philosopher king, i.e. reason, rules the roost. Then you have Augustine adding the book of Genesis, especially, you know, our original creation, the fall, the first murder, the building of the cities by the first murder, right? All of this, this notion of Genesis and St. Paul's theology, he takes that and unites it with Plato's accounting of justice and shows, shows us how that justice is God's interior presence within the human soul that leads to a submission of those person's faculties to God. So that personal justice, which was lost through sin by attraction to external goods, namely the fruit of the tree, it was good to the eyes, pleasing for food and good for gaining wisdom, right? This external good, that, that personal justice might be regained by attraction to interior grace. That was Plato and Augustine. But the Catholic tradition doesn't just look at Plato and Augustine. It also turns to Aristotle. Aristotle did not see it first as this interior harmony. He only saw it in a secondary kind of metaphorical way. First, justice is social, relational, and external to the individual because the object of justice was external. So that interior harmony is purely metaphorical, right? So what is justice for Aristotle? It's a consistent will to will the good and what is due. Son of a gun, I'm all over the place. So for Aristotle, as well as for Plato and Augustine and Aquinas and all the ancients, right? It still was a consistent will to, <clears throat> no, no, no. All, all, whether you're talking about Aristotle or Plato, Augustine or Aquinas, whether you're talking about St. Paul or Christ or anything, justice is still viewed as a perfection of the will to give to all what is their due. In fact, the whole point of the ancient and medieval conception of justice was that it's an inclination to give freely to others. Why? Because we human beings need each other. We need society. So justice brings this natural desire to growth and fruition. The end of justice is friendship. At least for Aristotle. And a, a Christian morality would say it's charity or love of neighbor. And so we have this beautiful interior moment, whether it's a perfection of the will or interior harmony of my faculties, but it's always about loving the other. It always leads to love and friendship. That's what a just society does. You are most free in a just society. However, in the 14th century with William of Ockham and the nominalist revolution that came after, justice was redefined with an entirely subjective dimension. What does that mean? Justice is not about what I owe you. It's about what you owe me. Okay. It's not about my relationship to society and what I owe society, what I owe my neighbor. It's about what everyone else owes me. So this is no longer about a quality of my soul or an excellence of my relationships, but it's a defense of external rights of taking rather than giving. 
Father Survey Pinkayer says that society is no longer seen as a natural extension of self, but as an artificial creation, the social contract. And it's now set up to just do two things, to meet needs and to prevent destructive rivalry. That's the whole point, is to basically relegate com- uh, the competitive nature uh, and scarcity in, in the human world. And that's it. Justice hardens and takes two forms. Me asserting my rights and social pressure and governmental force using coercion and constraint on me and my rights. So now justice is not about interior harmony. Justice is not conceived in these terms of friendship or freedom. Justice is seen as a fractured thing bent in on itself. Me asserting my rights against you trying to take my rights in the form of government or social pressure or whatever. This is a fundamental breakdown in our culture. So what we need to do is reflect and ask ourselves one simple question. How have I contributed to this false notion of justice? How can I restore this notion of justice that belonged to the church and to the ancient world against this modern brokenness? Thanks, Gomer, for calling us to a life of virtue. And thank you, listener, for tracking with us all month long during the Nazarite Challenge. This has been a huge time of blessing. The conversations in the Facebook community going through and doing this podcast, it was a huge labor of love. The number one way you can support us from this point forward is just sharing this podcast with other people or buying something from catholicbomb.co to help support the cost of this. We want to thank all of our sponsors one last time. That's, again, along with Catholic Bomb Co., that's Pink Salt Riot, eCatholic, and the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. We also want to thank people who helped sponsored content during the Nazarite Challenge. That's the Theology of the Abadi Institute and Catching Foxes, the podcast, and my own podcast, The Threshold. Um, we'd love to have you guys check out all those things. If you haven't followed them on social media, checked out their work yet, please do. Also, if you're interested in having this become a monthly podcast that we do. I don't know that we can commit to weekly at this point in time, but once a month, having a little bit more bearded virtue in your life, please drop us a line at Catholic Bomb Co. or post in the Facebook group that you're interested in that. We'll have a post there that you can share that on. We want to know if this has been helpful for you in growing in virtue, how we can continue to get the word out around the amazing way that God is calling us deeper into relationship with him and with each other. So gentlemen, until next time, Stop shaving and start praying.